Amen. Amen. God is, has his people everywhere, and we step out. We bring light into the darkness and hope into hopelessness, and, and people realize that Jesus is real, and Jesus is the answer. Well, if you weren't here last Sunday, we um, kind of did a bit of a kickoff in a message as we move toward Pentecost Sunday, that we uh, do so recognizing that these seasons that we celebrate really are reminders of great things the Lord has done in the past, that he desires to be a present reality for his people. And so the invitation has been as we move toward Pentecost Sunday, let's be open again to the Holy Spirit, to what he wants to do afresh in our life. Uh, what is it that you really need from God? What do you feel that God is speaking to you that he wants to bring to pass in your life, in your situation, your ministry, whatever it may be? And uh, we're just believing God just for a fresh visitation of his spirit. Uh, we're believing God to just encounter people in a fresh new way, those who are hungry. And uh, for those who may be visiting, uh, our model, you might say, our desire is one simple thing, and that is we want to be a presence-driven church. We want to be a church where the Holy Spirit can show up and move because we as his people, we line up our lives to him and to his purposes. When he comes, he's able to do what we can't do. And so we realize that if lives are going to be changed, it has to be by Jesus. It has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. As the old saying goes, it's not about big streams and smoke machines and skinny jeans. That's not how it works, right? It's got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit in his people. And, and our dream really, as uh, Gerhard Tutoit said many years ago, his vision was to see churches full of people, full of God. And that's our heart's desire, that we would align our lives in such a way that we'd say, Lord, I just want to be full of you. And when we come together, we are gathering together as people who are full of you. And when people walk through the doors, they have an encounter with the living Christ. Well, that's not the message this morning. Our message is in Philippians chapter 4. And I just want to share this morning uh, maybe just uh, something very practical that I think the, I believe the Lord is calling me to, calling us to as a congregation. And it's found in Philippians 4. And perhaps you could read the scripture with me. It's from the Living Bible Translation of Modern English. <clears throat> and this is what Paul says. Let's read together. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. What a beautiful promise. I remember a news story a few years back. It was about a lady who lived in Chicago downtown. They actually called her uh, Garbage Mary. And the reason was because she lived in kind of run-down apartments. The, the apartment was filthy. She would spend her day rummaging through garbage cans, and she would be bumming cigarettes off people as they passed by. Well, one day she took sick, and the police knew her well. They would often talk to her, and as they took her to the hospital, they were told to go back to her apartment and get some whatever information they could for her. And so they went to the apartment, and they were astounded to find, amidst all the garbage and all the filth, that there were actually a number of papers and documents and bank records that showed that garbage Mary was actually worth more than a million dollars. And she was actually the daughter of a prominent Illinois lawyer. And so she had access to great wealth. And when I heard that story, immediately my mind went to the thought, Lord, are we like that as your people sometimes? Here we are, people of God, people of destiny, people who have been given so much, so much provided for us that you want us to experience, that you want us to enjoy, that you want to minister through, uh, through us as your people. And yet in many ways, we allow our lives to be filled with what you, what you might call moral filth. Or, or to clutter our minds with garbage that, that really rob us and really blind us to who we are, what our destiny is, 
and all that the Lord wants to do through us, like John said, you are Jesus in this world. And the Lord wants us to experience that firsthand. You know, it's been said that we, we live at the mercy of our ideas. Not necessarily what is truth, but so oftentimes we, we allow ourselves to be shaped or limited by just things that, that, that we've come to believe, things that we've heard, uh, whether you know, lies or limitations, whatever it may be, we tend to embrace those things and live in those parameters. In fact, I've found over many years of walking with the Lord that many of my struggles, many of those times when I experience suffering, a lot of times they are simply the product of what I've chosen to believe, what I've chosen to believe about myself or in a given circumstance. In fact, I've also, in these past few years especially, it just seems that we are bombarded with so much noise, bombarded with, with so many opinions out there, through the media, through conversations, whatever it may be, that very few of us actually have an original thought anymore. We're just kind of parodying somebody else, or what we heard on the news in some debate, or whatever the state may seem to be around us, and what other people say. I used to have a poster in my dorm room in Bible College. It was of Albert Einstein. Not because I was smart, but I like what he said. Albert Einstein simply said this, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest is mere details. I want to know God's thoughts. James put it this way in chapter three. He said, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? No, of course not. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. That is so true, isn't it? You cannot draw fresh, life-giving water from a salty spring. In other words, your source is going to determine your outflow. Whatever it is that you have within that's coming within is what is going to flow. The scripture says it's sort of the abundance of your heart that flows life or death. And so as Albert Einstein said, I think what Paul is trying to say as well, he says, listen, my people, you need to have God's thoughts. God wants to share his thoughts with you. He wants you to think like he thinks. He wants you to have fresh thoughts. He wants you to have original thoughts because your source is going to determine your outflow. Now this morning I want to invite you to join me on a journey. This might sound kind of rinky-dink or whatever the word is that we use nowadays, but, uh, but I think again it's simple and powerful enough that it really could change many of our lives and it really could create a shift in what the Lord is calling us to, and the next level of what he wants to bring us into individually and corporately, and as we move through the summer and into the fall, just things that I know the Lord is, is wanting to birth in our midst. We're calling this Rethink 21. This is actually Pastor Ben's branding idea, so I'll give him credit. Rethink 21. And it's a 21-day journey we want to commit ourselves to between now and Pentecost Sunday, during which time we want to intentionally reset our thinking. We want to realign our priorities, and we want to begin to receive what we know it is the Holy Spirit has been stirring in our heart. Things that maybe just kind of seem like they're just kind of out of my reach, just out there, but the Lord says, if you will give yourself to me, these things will begin to be birthed in you. I was watching a... Uh, interview, uh, I think it was last year, I'll never forget, but uh, uh, with uh, NFL quarterback Tom Brady. Anybody know Tom Brady? Yeah, if you're a football fan, you gotta love Tom Brady. If you're a hater, you got problems. We'll pray for you after the service. 
He's the phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I mean, seven Super Bowl rings, 10 division titles. I mean, they've, they've won their division, I think, almost every year that he's played. An absolutely incredible athlete. But what was interesting is when the interviewer said, Tom, what is the secret to your unmatched success? His answer was very simple, but I thought it was very profound. He said, I dream about throwing the football. I dream about throwing the football. You know, the Lord can speak to us in a variety of ways. And I really felt the Holy Spirit touch my heart and speak to me and say, Paul, what are you dreaming about lately? What are you thinking about? What what wakes you up? What gives you a sense of purpose as you enter a new day, whatever it may be? And you know what? I had to admit that I wasn't dreaming like I used to. I don't mean dreaming in the sense of my success or, you know, these big grandiose projects. But I mean dreaming about the kingdom of God, dreaming about Jesus, dreaming about what he's done for me, dreaming about his love for people around me, dreaming about how he wants to touch people. It's been a while since I've really dreamed about those things. I mean, as a believer, I know that those are things I should be doing and thinking about. And and as a pastor, sometimes you can fool yourself into thinking, well, that's kind of what I do. But it's not. It's not. You can do ministry. And you can run church and you can go through the week and keep the programs going, but it doesn't mean that you're operating in the kingdom. It doesn't mean you have God's thoughts. In fact, as I shared a few weeks ago, to me, it's not enough just to kind of have the service ready on Sunday, the worship together and the the sermon down pat. But as we move together in the service, say, Lord, thank you for the worship that you've lined up and what you're going to do in in that time of worship. Thank you for the word that you've birthed in my heart. But Lord, for the hour, hour and a half that we're together, what do you want to do? Well, what do you want to speak in the midst of that? Where do you want to interrupt and so that people can encounter you, that people can know that you are real, that people's lives can be changed? So, Paul, what are you dreaming about? You see, we can think good thoughts, but it doesn't mean it's God's thoughts. All right? We can live good lives, but it doesn't mean it's a godly life. It doesn't manifest the person and presence of Jesus Christ. Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about those things that are, that are pure, that are lovely. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, I really believe that these qualities that come from God, they are supposed to characterize us because we're the children of God. These are the things that ought to be manifest in and through our lives. But what I've also found is that when I allow my mind and my time to be preoccupied by other things, what happens, the first casualty usually, is that I lose that sense of the nearness of God. I lose that sense of the awareness of just kingdom dynamics, things that that God is doing around me that he wants me to be involved in for my own fulfillment. I lose that sense of peace. And peace is not just this ethereal sensation that somehow disengages me from reality. Peace is that stability that we experience, we know that we're established in Christ. We know who he is, we know who our savior is, we know that we're confident in our faith in the Lord and we're confident that he can use us through that day. But I lose that, you see, when I lose that nearness. I lose his passion for what really matters in life. So Paul says, think about, fix your thoughts on these things. What does it mean? He means think about these things with the intention of actually doing them. Think about these things with the intention of these things becoming enfleshed in your life that makes you a different kind of person. 
Let me just get really quick to go through those three words. What is true, he says. Fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true, very simply, it's just God's reality. Fix your thoughts on that. Don't go by what you see, good or bad, the news, the situation that you see. Get God's thoughts. Everything else is details. Know what God sees, what God is saying, what God would speak to you. Know his reality. We say it all the time. But worship is not an escape from reality. Worship is actually entering into reality. It's worshiping into the presence of God that no matter what is going on around me, I enter into God's presence and I say, Lord, what do you see? What are you doing in the midst of this? Lord, you are my anchor. You are my strong tower. You are my rock. I will live and move and make decisions and move out from your reality. What is your reality, Lord? What is true? You see, we know that Satan is a liar and he knows that he can easily deceive us, but the only way he can't deceive us is if we are actually in the word of God. If we're actually hearing the truth of God. You see, I really believe that unbelief has very little to do with your spiritual status in the sense of, of how you know, spiritually strong you may be or whether you're given to those things or not. I really believe unbelief simply is due to not feeding on the word of God, to not feeding on God's reality. So we need to know God's thoughts enough to be able to distinguish the truth from the lies. It also says, fix your thoughts on what is good. That is, fix your thoughts on those things that actually inspire a sense of dignity, a sense of, of, of respect. It's interesting, the Greek language, Paul uses that same term in 1 Timothy 2.2 when he talks about, he says, spending our time in godly living and thinking much about the Lord. You see, godly living has nothing to do with things you can't do. Godly living has to do with everything you can do because of Christ in you, because of the difference that he makes in your life. It also means that, that we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to take life seriously. Now, we can have more fun than anybody else. We, we should have a great sense of humor. We should be able to laugh together as, as the people of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But I believe what the Lord is saying is when he says, fix your mind on those things that are good, is that there ought to be some substance about your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that wherever you go, people know that you have joy, people know that you can laugh with the best of them, but they also know that there's some substance, it's not just fluff. There's something that you know, there's a relationship that you have, there's perspective, there's truth that you live in that actually brings a fullness to life, that brings substance to life. So when the bus doesn't run, they know where to turn. That's all it is. You see, it's never about the things you cannot do. It's about the fact that, that I have a source I'm connected to and all things are possible because of Christ in me, because of who I am, because of my identity. I don't miss out on anything. I can do anything I want, but like Paul said, I'll not be mastered by anything. I'll not be ruled by anything. Like Athena, I grew up playing sports, played rugby, captain of my rugby team in high school, played lacrosse, played in the nationals, where all those different scenes, you know, all the parties were there, all the temptations, all the drugs, whatever, and I thank the Lord for a simple revelation. I don't need that. I don't need that. Love the people, love my teammates. In fact, a lot of times, I was just a designated driver, you know? You guys go and have fun, but I, no word of a lie, I remember coming home from college and running into some of my old teammates, and there's two or three of them who said, on different occasions, Paul, he said, sometimes we'd make fun of you, sometimes we'd laugh, and we were all good friends, we had, we had a good laugh, but he said, I don't know how many times in my heart I wished I could have been like you. I wished I could have said no. 
you had something. You had something I didn't have. You see, people know that. We all wear kind of those, those facades, but to be good means that we have this sense of, of understanding what life is about. And then he says, fix your thoughts on what is right. And of course, that word just speaks of that, that righteousness. Righteousness is just kind of like the, the warmth that flows from a pure life. You see, it's not about how high you jump. It's not about how loud you pray. It's just about a pure life. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who will enjoy the presence of the Lord? Through whom will the presence of God flow? He who has a pure heart. That's all. The power is in a pure life. And the Lord invites us to step into that and enjoy it. The Bible says in 1 John 3, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. If you are constantly doing what is good, it's because you are good. Even as he is good. But if you keep on sinning, it shows that you belong to Satan. But the Son of God has come to destroy the works of Satan. To destroy the works of the devil. The Lord creates that goodness in us by his presence. And then Paul says quickly in verse 8, Think about things that are pure and lovely. And in the original language, again, that, that phrase speaks about things that are wholesome. Let this wholesomeness characterize your life. Let one of your prayer requests be as you walk with the Lord. Lord, I want to be wholesome. What does it mean? It means you're whole. You see, you see that's all holiness is. When the Lord says, be holy for I am holy. In our fallen nature, we're wired to think, oh, great, another restriction. Another command, that's all I need. Be holy for I'm holy. What does the Lord say? I've said this many times. What he's saying is, because I am holy, you can be holy. Because I'm holy, you can be free. Because I'm holy, you can have my thoughts. You can think like me. You can be guided by truth. You can be good. You can live a fulfilling life that not only is satisfying to you, but it's appealing to those around you. You can know what the abundant life is really all about. He says, don't allow your life to be mixed with impurity of any kind. That's what wholesome is. I just don't allow impurity. And again, it's not because I can't do those things. I don't have to do those things. I'm fulfilled. I don't need those things. You know, I wonder how much impurity gets mixed into the things that enter our mind that enter our heart, maybe the things that entertain us. And I really believe for all of us here this morning as the people of God, we want to live right. I don't think there's one of us here that doesn't want to live right. But we also, Paul says, have to guard ourselves against that filth that just gets mixed into our mind, into our spirit, entertainment, social media, conversations, joking, whatever it may be. How many of us had the experience that you might even be watching something or engaged in a conversation, and it may not have been like really bad, but you just kind of walked away feeling dirty. Just walked away like, ah, oh, man, I didn't need that. Now I gotta go take a spiritual shower. Now I gotta go repent again, you know, kind of thing. Or maybe you just kind of wallow in that for a period of time, and then what happens, coincidentally, a ministry opportunity arises, and what's your first thought? I'm not qualified to minister. I, I got nothing to give. You see, it's just, and it's not even that you're steeped in sin, but you, know, you, know, you don't have to do anything wrong. You can just kind of walk through a day or walk through a week, and there's just kind of like there's this layer on you. You know, I haven't done anything, but I've just been around stuff. And again, it's not, you know, criticizing people who are around, but the Lord says, I just want to wash that off you. That's, that's what righteousness is all about. That's what the presence of the Lord is for, that rinsing, that washing, that, that freedom. We read the scripture last week in Ephesians 5. 
Uh, Paul says, let there be no sex sin, no impurity or greed among you. Let no one be able to accuse you of any such things. Dirty stories, foul talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. It's not that you can't do it, but it's not for you. I've got more for you, something better for you. Instead, remind each other of God's goodness and be thankful. What's he saying? Just go around and tell people, God is good, don't forget. God is good. I'm supposed to tell you, God is good. No, what he's saying is, listen, give yourself to what I give myself to, and you will have so many stories of how good God is. You'll have so many personal wow moments and testimonies in your walk with the Lord that you just get together with other believers in your conversation. It's not about frivolous stuff. It's about, man, you won't believe what God did this week. You won't believe how God showed up. You won't believe how God highlighted somebody, somebody to me and, and then what happened then. You, you won't believe how God brought this certain thing together that I thought was impossible. You see, those are the kind of stories, the testimonies that the Lord wants for us. And he says, then you'll have a heart of gratitude, a heart that is thankful. And then he says this in verse five. You can be sure of this. The kingdom of Christ and of God will never belong to anyone who is impure. We talked about it last week. If you haven't had a chance to listen, I encourage you to go back and listen. If you, if you don't have it uh, online, you can listen to a uh, uh, podcast, but I warn you, don't listen to my podcast while you're driving. I don't want you to fall asleep, okay? Just, I just want to put that out there. But uh, we have different ways that you can listen to it. But I want to encourage you, we looked at the scripture last week, and we talked about how there's a difference between entering the kingdom and actually inheriting the kingdom. You see, I can confess my sin to Christ. I can enter in the kingdom, be born again, and I can stay there in diapers for the rest of my life. But if I want to inherit the kingdom, that means if I actually participate in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is advancing through my life, and I have the assurance of, 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 of eternity with Christ. A lot of Christians today don't have that assurance. They've been born again, but if you ask them if they're honest, they say, I don't know 100%, I really hope. You see, that's not real salvation. Real salvation is that life change the Holy Spirit brings in our life as we listen to him, as we walk with him, as we obey him as we allow him to prune us and shape us. And I found it interesting, uh, one of our friends is gonna be with us here again in September, uh, Jason Chin, he shared on his Facebook a story of a lady uh, just a short while ago who was raised from the dead in Africa. She'd been dead for five days, and, uh, and the Lord brought her back to life. But she, was, she said she was in heaven, and she had a conversation with the Lord. Really beautiful story. But I thought it was really interesting that one of the things she said the Lord said to tell his people when she returns is simply this. Tell my people... They must stop sinning. They must stop sinning. And, and you see, it's not just so that we are good people. You see, we have to stop sinning. We have to deal with those things that are impure, those things that pollute, those things that contaminate. Why? Because there is a world that is lost, that is in darkness, that is in bondage, and there needs to be a people God can use to preach the kingdom, to bring light into darkness, to bring freedom where there's bondage. And we can't cast out darkness when it's in us. So the Lord wants us to be a people who are pure. Fix your thoughts on what is true, good, and right. Think about what is pure and lovely. Now, as the summer approaching, don't lift your hands, but probably a lot of us are, are changing our eating habits, right? Because we recognize whether you like it or not, we're probably about eight weeks away from sitting on the beach in Parley. And uh, you can only wear T-shirts for so long. At some point, you've got to go in the water, you know, or it gets warm, it's got to come off, and the real you is there for the whole world to see, right? So, so we try to lose a few pounds. But I wonder if we've ever thought 
that it's not only important what goes into our stomach, but the food that goes into our mind is even more impacting. If we had a spiritual x-ray machine, I wonder, even the most fit among us, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to get there, but if we had this x-ray machine, I wonder, despite on the outside, what we look like inside. That's why the Apostle Paul said that physical exercise is not bad. It's good for a season. It's good for this life. Godliness is a whole other level. Godliness is what he wants to characterize his people. Proverbs 4.23, be careful what you think because your thoughts will run your life. And again, we read that, we tend to think in the negative sense. Okay, I can't think bad thoughts. No, the Lord is saying, no, you can think wonderful thoughts. Wonderful thoughts can run your life. Faith can run your life. Dreams and hopes and expectations, revelation from the Lord, that can run your life. It's not what you can't do. When you understand what you can do and, and what the Lord wants you to think about, you realize, man, I don't want to waste my time on that stuff. I've got more important things to do, things that actually bring me joy, that actually give me a testimony. You know, there was an interesting report, I think it was only a couple months ago, I saw on one news station, and the reporter actually did a story on TikTok. TikTok is one of those networking apps. You know, you get online and people post these little videos. And I thought it was a really interesting story. The reporter says this, and they were a conspiracy theorist. They just sit in their research, they discovered, and this comes from China, as you know, from the communist uh, government in China. And, and among its many strategies to actually undermine Western democracies, it uses TikTok. And you might say, well, Pastor, that sounds crazy. No, here's what they do. It's just one of a multi-tiered strategy against Western nations. But he said, what, tic, what, what the Chinese government actually does is they use TikTok and they deliberately manipulate the algorithms. So out of the millions of videos that are there to see, basically the most vapid, inane videos are actually pushed to the front in the West as part of the strategy to dumb down North America. I thought that was really interesting. That was from a secular, liberal viewpoint. But I thought it's really interesting. And, and, and we see it too. Just, I don't recommend watching TikTok, but if you want to test it, just look at it. You're probably there for two minutes ago. Yeah, this is really dumb. <laughs> this is really dumb stuff. You know, but it's interesting what is pushed into the front because this is what we want the North American, Western culture, younger generation and those who watch it, this is what we want to get into their heads. We want to dumb them down. And it reminds me of what Jesus said is that we have an enemy of our soul. And what he tries to do is push to the forefront in what we give time to, what we watch, what we give our thoughts to, he wants to push those things to the front so that we as God's people actually are dumbed down. We are robbed. We don't understand who we really are. We give our time and attention to stuff that is so vapid, that is so useless. And the Lord says you're robbed to seeing the destiny of who you are in Christ of the great things that God wants you to understand, the great things he wants you to be able to, to, be, to experience and to, and to move in. He says, you gotta separate yourself and stop. You see, you can't clean yourself while you're lying in a mud pond or a mud puddle. It doesn't work that way. You gotta get out of the mud, right? Get to a source of water, get some soap, clean yourself up and begin to live. So over these next 21 days, I wanna invite us, I wanna encourage us to deliberately, with the help of the Holy Spirit who will show us, to deliberately begin to recognize whatever it is that we are allowing to pollute our mind, pollute our spirit, 
things that we find are tempting us. And I want to encourage us over the next three weeks, even if you need to write it down to journal, keep track, to say, Lord, I'm going to get rid of these things. Or I'm going to avoid those things, whatever it may be. Let's read one more time, Philippians chapter 4. Let's read it together. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. You see, this command to fix your thoughts, to think about things, to put them into practice, what is it? I believe simply it's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to actually wake up from this sleepwalking that we think is life. To wake up to the Lord. I mean, let's be honest. It is so easy to move through the day, move through the week, move through the month, and give no thought to the kingdom of God. I mean, we want to be Christian people. We want to, you know, please the Lord and be the witness any way we can. But we don't wake up in the morning a lot of time and move through our day and our first thought being, good morning, Lord. What are you doing today? What would you drop in my heart today? What do you want me to think about? What do you want me to dream about? What, what, what do you want me to, to do in your kingdom today? We tend to fill our day and our time with so many different things rather than wondering how to get involved in what the Lord is already doing around us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, no mere man has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things God has, what? Ready for those who love the Lord. But we know about these things because God has sent his spirit to tell us and his spirit searches out and shows us all of God's deepest secrets. I think a lot of times Christians read that thinking it's talking about heaven. I mean, there's certainly things about heaven that are gonna blow our mind that we can't imagine. But the Lord is saying this, and Paul's very clear. He says, you've not imagined the wonderful things God already has right now for you, for those who know him, who love the Lord. He says, but we know these things. How? Because the Holy Spirit shows us. How does the Holy Spirit show us? This is profound. We ask him. Holy Spirit, show me. Would you show me? a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Would you show me again how much you love me and how much you love people? Would you show me what you're doing around me and how I can get involved in those things and step out in those things? You see, when you choose to think about Jesus and what he wants to do in and through your life, you begin to see things you've never seen before. You begin to think about things you've never thought about before. You begin to actually do things that you never imagined God could do through you. And I'm so mindful of that in my own heart because it's so easy, there's that thin veil where you can be tied up in ministry, so to speak, you know, the church and all these ministry things, and yet you're not really walking in faith. You're not really hearing what God is doing. You're not really involved in the kingdom of what the Lord is doing all around us throughout the course of the week, in the marketplace, in the home, wherever it may be. I can just think of story after story when I made a simple decision and said, Lord, I'm going to step through that veil. I'm going to exchange a lifestyle for the kingdom. Lord, I want to hear what you're saying. 
I want to see people that you're highlighting. I want to step out and, and have a conversation or love somebody or, or help somebody or pray for somebody, whatever the case may be. Lord, I choose to do that today. And I've never once heard the Lord say, hey, I appreciate the sentiment, but I've got nothing for you. I've never heard that. I've heard the voice in my head that says, oh, God can't use you. I've never heard the Lord say that. I hear the Lord saying, good to have you on board. Let's go. Let's go. Time and time again. Some of the craziest stuff. I shared this before, but for those who are new, a couple years ago, I remember just praying, and, and, and somebody had called. They hadn't been in the church for a couple years, and the, the wife had sickness, and, and called and said, Pastor, you don't remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. He said, well, my, my wife is, is uh, looking like she's going to pass away, and, and would you come? Would you mind coming to see her? And I said, sure, I'd love to. But before going, the Holy Spirit simply said to my heart, ask me what you will see when you get there. And I thought, what a strange thing. Ask you what I'll see when I get there? I said, okay. I closed my eyes. I said, Lord, what will I see when I get there? And it was different from what the man had described. I just had this different image of what she was wearing, she, where she was sitting, some things that were going on. And you know what? When I opened my eyes, my heart full of faith, I thought to myself, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let's go see. Man of faith. Walk into the room, and what do I see? I see what the Lord showed me. And that ministered such encouragement to people who had been sick for a long time and basically thought God never saw them anymore. He'd forgotten them. I said, no, he hasn't forgotten you. He showed me what you were wearing today. And tears began to flow. You mean he sees me? He's been with me all this time. And then the Lord ministered some things and ministered some healing. It was a really a beautiful time. But you know why it happened? Just step through the veil. Lord, I want your thoughts. I want to hear what you would say. I want to see what you are doing. There's a story in the Gospels, you may remember it, when Jesus prayed for a man who was blind, right? And Jesus said, what do you see? After the first time he touched him, he said, I just see people like trees. That's all I see. And then Jesus touched him a second time, and his eyes were clear, and he could see everybody clearly. And I think many of us, as sincere as we may be, we move through our day, and if we're honest, we just see people like trees. We just see a mass, we just see people we walk by, the workplace, and in the mall, whatever the case may be. But you know what? Jesus sees every single one of those people perfectly, and he sees their heart. He knows what they're going through. You know what he's looking for? He's not looking for superstars. He's just looking for people who would say, Lord, if you just want to highlight someone, I'll step out. I'll talk to them. I'll pray with them if the need is obvious, whatever the case may be. I'll bring them into contact with you. That requires that we begin to have the Lord's thoughts. You know, Tom Brady dreams about throwing a football so he can win another trophy. I mean, how many do you need? But I often think, like even with the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm thinking, you know what, I don't think I'd want to go to the finals because you get there and lose and you've lost two months vacation. Like, let's get it over with. Let's just kind of lose because you know what, that trophy's going back up next week, next year anyway. We're going to fight for it again. We'll get it eventually. I, I don't quite think that way. I know you're competitive and you want to win, but, but Paul basically says in another scripture, he says, people train themselves. They sacrifice they're up early, train all day for a wreath, a trophy that, that's going to pass away. We actually get to compete for. We actually get to train ourselves. We actually get to have dreams about things that can change lives forever. But the only way that's going to happen is we begin to change what we think about. It all begins with lifting our eyes from the daily grind to see what God's doing around us. It has to do with turning off the noise and silencing those voices that are all around us, that noise, so we can actually hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And we can be led by him. 
George McDonald was a, a mentor, you might say, to C.S. Lewis, for those who recognize those names from a generation ago. And George McDonald said this, we who would be born again indeed must wake our souls unnumbered times a day. In other words, if you just don't want to be a Christian, a nice Christian, but you actually want to be a kingdom person, you have to make the choice many times a day, I'm not going to slumber. I'm not going to let my head fall down again. I'm keeping my eyes up. Lord, I want to hear what you're saying. I want a real relationship with you. I want to move through my day seeing what you're doing. That's really what the abundant life is. So I close with this. Rethink 21. Where do I begin? I'll give you four things real quick in just a sec, but where do I begin? Number one, I encourage you, memorize Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Whatever translation you want to use, memorize Philippians 4, 8, and 9, and everything you do over these next three weeks, run it through that sieve. Is this good? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it right? Is it true? Now you might say, well, pastor, I don't watch a lot of TV. I just watch the news. Oh, you're okay then. Yeah, there's no lies on the news. It's all true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they actually sit in boardrooms to decide the narrative, what's going to get the most hits, and they put it out there most times. No, no, you see, as the people of God, with all the crazy stuff going on around us, we've got to be careful that our opinions just aren't a reflection of what we're being told. Our opinions come from the Lord, that we're people of faith, we're people of optimism and hope, we're people of clarity in the things that we talk about. So anyways... Memorize the scripture and run things through that. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not a television fast. And all God's people said, it's not a social media fast. (laughs) I'm going to be off it myself. You don't have to be. So I'm not ignoring you. I didn't unfriend you. Okay, I'm just going to be off it. But the thing is, whatever you watch through the course of the day, whatever medium you choose to use for that, I want to encourage you only use or listen to or view that which is true, that which is good, right, godly, that is right, that, that, that promotes purity, holiness in your life. So you can listen to teachings, you know, podcasts, whatever the case may be, but I want to encourage you to run everything through that. In fact, I encourage you to even listen to less of it and learn to carve out some time for solitude with the Holy Spirit to begin to learn to hear the voice of God. Take a journal with the scriptures, write things that you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, things that are, are, are barricades in your walk with him that he wants to eliminate. So here's four things real quick. Number one, take in God's word from every source. Determine these next 21 days on a daily basis you are gonna read God's word. Now you may not be a reader, that's fine. If you're not, then determine to listen to the word of God. The old days on tape, you know, maybe you still got some of those kicking around or, or maybe a Bible app, whatever it is. Okay, I know, I'm cool. Bible apps. I see you all reading your Bible while I'm speaking, right? I'm, I'm assuming it is. I give you the benefit of the doubt. It's on your phone. But understand this. You cannot be influenced by what you don't know. And it doesn't matter how much you hear somebody else say. God wants you to have a firsthand revelation of him. God wants to give you insights that you're not going to get from somebody else. He wants you to have original thoughts. He wants you to know, I have a plan for you, says the Lord. I have a word for you. He also wants you to get the word of God in your heart by memorizing, because the Holy Spirit can't lead you or grow you or strengthen you if he has nothing to work with. So determine these next 21 days. Start off slow if you need to, but 
Get God's word into you from every source. Number two, consume Christian content. If you have to listen to YouTube or, or podcasts, whatever the case may be, then dial into things that are from God. Thoughts that are from God that will build your faith. Like I said, I, I find it great before I go to bed watching some ministry YouTube clips that inspire me. I begin to dream about those things and I'm on the watch the next day to begin to step out. So think of Christian content. Number three, listen to worship music. Let music wash over you through certain parts of the day or just sit and soak. If you, don't, if you say, Pastor, I don't know what to say when I go to prayer. You know what? You don't have to say anything. You can just listen. Put on some worship music. Just soak in the presence of the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit just to work through layer after layer after layer, and I promise you, you're going to begin to hear him speak to you. And as he does, begin to write those things down. And finally, think about the good things in others. I saved this to last, but Paul says this in verse 8. Dwell on the fine good things in others. The term he actually uses in the Greek language is where we get our English word euphemism. Euphemism means to substitute or replace a harsh term with a milder one. What is Paul saying? It's really easy to look at people around you and be critical and judgmental. I'm not talking about playing with sin, but we all got opinions about people. I want to encourage you over the next 21 days that whatever you speak about somebody will be words of life. Just like Jesus speaks about you, words of hope, words of kindness, and faith. If you don't have something nice to say, say what the Lord would have you say. Right? It's good to say something. Ask, Lord, what would you say to this person? What would you say to them? So remember that God sees goodness in people. He sees sin. But the point is, rather than us having this posture where we kind of separate ourselves from people, they're sinful. Instead, Lord, help me to see them as you see them. Help me to see brokenness and bondage. Help me to see why those sharp edges are there. Lord, help me to minister grace. Work a, work a largeness in me that's able to absorb that smallness in them, that's able to be loving and redemptive. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love believes all things. And we need to look for those lovely things in people. And we also need to pray, Lord, help me to stop seeing people as a faceless mass. Help me to see people. Highlight people to me. Let me step through that veil, and you'll be amazed some of the things the Lord begins to show you. The worship team, as you join me before we close this morning, I remember a story many, many years ago I heard of a new Christian who was having some struggles. And uh, so he sat down with the pastor one day. He said, Pastor, this, this is kind of tough. Like, I just feel like there's a good dog and a bad dog inside me, just fighting all the time. And the pastor said, well, which dog do you find is winning? He said, it's the, I guess the one that I feed the most. I just want to ask us over these next few weeks to really examine what we're feeding, what we're feeding on. You see, it's not about these religious rules. Well, I can't do this and this. No, no, it's what do you want to do? How much do you want to know Jesus? How free do you want to be? How alive do you want your faith to be? How full of faith and hope and, and kingdom power do you want to be? That's, see, it's all there for you. That's the only question. How much do you want? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the Lord. They will be filled. They will be filled. Would you bow your heart with me? I'm going to ask the ministry team to join me if you would. As we close this morning, if you don't know Jesus... I want you to understand God himself said this. 
He said, I have a plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, not to restrict you. My plan is to give you a future, to give you hope, to give you purpose. And the Lord says, the truth I want to show you will not restrict you. It will free you. I want to bring you into reality, real reality. We're going to close in the song in just a moment. As we do, if you don't know Jesus, I invite you to come, and one of these people would love to pray with you and introduce you to him. And you'll experience a cleansing in your spirit. You'll experience the light beginning to go on. And you'll begin to hear things and see things that you've never imagined possible. I want to speak to us as the people of God. The altar is open for you if you need prayer for anything. If you just want someone to agree with you in a decision you make this morning, you want to pray for a sick body, we believe God heals. We saw a healing prayer meeting Tuesday night again. We believe God does all those things. We want to pray with you. But what I want to ask each of us to do this morning is while the worship team plays, would you just bow your heart, close your eyes, and just, just talk to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want my life to be filled with what is good and true and right. I want your life flowing through me. Would you just begin to show me, Lord, the things that are barriers in my walk with you, the things that have become old and stale, impure things that have gotten mixed into my heart, my spirit, so that maybe now I'm in a posture of apathy and unbelief, prayerlessness. I want to be free. I want to be clean. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. We're going to close in prayer in just a moment. And if you decide this morning just to take this 21-day challenge, I want to invite you just to drop me an email. I'm going to put you on my list to be praying for you, and I want to ask you to pray for me. I believe in three short weeks, the Lord can bring such a cleansing into our hearts that we can be a church full of people, full of God. Hallelujah. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hallelujah. And there's healing. There's salvation and deliverance. And there's a great harvest. Holy Spirit, we just open our heart right now in these next couple moments. Just speak to us. Show us things by your life. Help us by your grace to resolve, O oh Lord, to be the people of God like never before. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.